Are you ready to clap in 15 seconds? And you're recording? I'm recording, but how does this work? We're going to clap at exactly the same time. But like, it says I'm 17.4 seconds ahead. I think it's talking about your system clock versus the true clock. Uh, so whatever the big number is, the big number on the screen should be synced between our two computers. Yes, this is the most synced a clock will be on your PC. Your computer clock is off. Do you see my computer? Do you see my screen? No, but I don't care. There's going to be lag between what you're seeing and what I'm seeing. Okay. Right. So you're running okay. like a second behind my clock. Okay. But that big number, when that big number hits, whatever. Let's say 28, we're going to clap. Okay. I'm warming up. Ready? All right. Did that work? Yeah. That should be how it works. So today on some Future Labs. On Empathic Futures Labs. <laughs> Today, on Empathic Futures Labs, our home plate is centered around dumb AI. You know what you I always say? What AI is. It's neither artificial nor intelligent, but we call it artificial intelligence. In our age bracket, I'd say we were born too late to explore the Earth, born too early to explore the stars, but born at just the right time to watch the dumbest iteration of AI flop around and fail in, in funny, hilarious ways. All right. So we have heard from Coulter what his definition of artificial intelligence is. Now, Chris, if you could uh, share with us what your definition of artificial intelligence is. Smart computers. Smart computers. Good. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Just put a trademark on that. That's our new company, Smart Computers. <laughs> smart Computers. Our, our podcast is sponsored by Smart Computers. Thank you. So, so we have Smart Computers and neither artificial nor intelligent. But it is flopping. But, it, flopping but it's like a good. flopping fish. Yes, yes. Um, it's flopping. That's how you understand it. I would say artificial intelligence is like the ooey gooey bars. And it's something that everyone really loves, but we don't really know what to do with it yet. We, it's, it's when quantity becomes its own sort of quality, you know. There's, the human mind is not ready to understand yeah. the potential there. Yeah. Well, that brings me into a reference that I'll bring in a little bit later. But so this this conversation topic of dumb AI, um, this wasn't my conversation topic or home plate. Well, I feel like it's it's been a topic that we've been circulating quite a bit. There's a lot of promise and a lot of speculation in AI-driven design, uh, visual studies, and things of that nature. But I think I'm ready to take a dump on that whole world. I think our current era is the era of dumb AI, where there's a lot of hype around it, but not a lot to, to show for it in terms of like practical, reasonable output. And so we have a lot of people that kind of learn the tools of AI and generate weird imagery, like AI generated floor plans, or like advanced data analysis and charts that are just circles and scribbly lines. But it's very hard to squeeze practical in insight out of these kind of neural network, artificial intelligent processes. So there was something I was thinking about when you were making this talk <clears throat> was, okay, so you said charts and squiggly lines. And, and I think the point that you brought up about um, it's, it's sort of seeing a lot of things. And maybe that's kind of where that fits in. We have this, this idea that we have to rationalize everything within architecture. And, and it, if you can just confuse people enough with all your data and artificial intelligence and as long as we're like on the edge that normal people aren't. You got to use those buzzwords very yeah, carefully. Yeah, as long as you're, like, you're pushing slightly I, further. I was under the impression that you have to use buzzwords quite liberally. 
in order to get ahead in the world. Yeah, if you say like blockchain and AI and autonomy and equity, if you use all those words like whew, that VC money is just going to flow right into your mouth and you can... <laughs> Extra <laughs> points if you use them all in one sentence without looking like an idiot. Yeah. Green AI will bring equity sustainability through a disconnected, decentralized blockchain system. We're really activating new spaces of possibility. Disrupting the way in which architecture is normally achieved. Okay, that was a good sentence. That was it's a very good sentence. It's really about you. It's personalized. It's not about you. It's personalized for you. Okay. The super you. The you you could be if only you were with us. With lots of AI. So you brought up this this point. So like on, on one end, AI is this tool and we, we sort of use it in architecture and I guess related fields to, in my mind, almost confuse people into thinking that there's so much complexity and so many things and we have to use this artificial intelligence to understand it. And if we don't do that, there's no way we could possibly do anything. Yeah, it's like um, I was reading this wonderful book called The Interface Effect and there is a chapter on this concept of um, disingenuous informatics. There's a lot of topics in the book, but it's about like the use of visual complexity to like stand in for deeper meanings that may not be there. So they're, they're really talking about like people who visualize the internet as a total entity, like in a single image. So you're just seeing all these lines connecting nodes. And it's just a, it's a gigantic mass of hair. And the kind of argument was when you visualize a system that is that complex, like this total network, like it loses its capacity to actually tell you anything meaningful. And so it just, it becomes no different than the thing itself. Right. Like it's it's just, oh, I took a picture of the internet. You don't actually understand. Yeah, it. it's not even a diagram. Right. So you're visualizing the system of visualization and not what you're visualizing, in other words. Right. And so my, my point was like there's there's kind of one end of AI and we see it like that. But then the topic that and maybe maybe we would call that smart AI, but it's it's more like fake smart AI. Mm-hmm. Um and, and the underlying beast the underneath the, the fancy cover of informatics and nice, you know, gradiated representations uh, might be what this topic is that we wanted to introduce or you wanted to kind of discuss, which was dumb AI. I think that and, AI are more creative than people, but they're creative in the way that like a two-year-old is creative. And you, like sometimes you just, you don't want that. Like I think it's, there's a concept called temperature in AI that I just heard about where so you, you train the AI on example data. So that could be millions of pictures of cats. And if you don't, if you like lower the temperature on the AI, it's going to just reproduce images that it's already seen. And when you increase the temperature, you're asking it to take more chances in how it's generating content. Like it's trying to be creative to create something new. And if it's too much creativity, it starts making nonsense. It's like an AI hot take. Exactly. You're looking for the sweet spot between cold and hot. But I find like architects tend to go for like pure hotness. They're not trying to make realistic images of buildings or floor plans. They're trying to break their well, preconceived. I know that I seems like that. to be the seems to be the zeitgeist of the time. Hot takes. Yeah, I, I don't know if Stephen I totally Stephen A. Smith. Sorry. <laughs> Chris is on an NBA um, uh, stint at the moment. Um, Stephen A. Smith did some announcing for UFC and apparently was not received well. well Either way. <laughs> it's not um, surprising <laughs> it was funny it was like an AI announcing UFC well it turned the temperature up and you got there you got Stephen A. Smith hot takes <laughs> um, which 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 is a reference about you know 
one third of one person will maybe get. Um, so I, I wanted to talk about this this temperature knob a little bit because if if people sort of sit on the cool end, typically it's like what's expected is on the cool end, right? Because um, like it will reproduce what it's seen. Yeah, and if and you get way 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 too cold, like Arctic cold, then it just starts repeating the same word over and over and over again. <laughs> it just it just doesn't do anything. <laughs> but it thinks that it's done some sort of process, right? Um, but okay, so like if if what's expected is on the cold end, and then what is completely not expected is is the hot end. Um, like it could start making up words at the hottest end. Right, right, right. But, but what's really fascinating is that there's actually a process that goes into making that. Mm-hmm. Um, you mean like the intention the, behind the AI? Right. Oh, like there's a there's a process. It doesn't just the word doesn't come out of nowhere. No. It has it has some sort of basis. Right. And usually, if if we're talking about like text prediction, uh, as an example, like you usually feed it a seed, and right. so like you have to give it something. It doesn't or or it can be randomly produced the seed from a different process, but it starts from somewhere. Right, right, right. But I think I think it's interesting to go all the way to super hot instead of like sitting in in somewhere like the sweet spot or whatever, um, which is the uncanny zone where you're like you can't tell if it's a real thing or well AI generated. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that I think the ambiguity there is fun as well. But I was also thinking while you're talking about this temperature knob is when you get to that hot spot when you bring something to that hot spot. Um, what trying to understand the process that went into that and and how you might be able to replicate that process as a designer maybe are you saying like how fun. you use AI to be more creative not necessarily more creative just more absurd hmm. I mean certainly in examples where I've seen people use AI so you have like maybe the Cyarc AI in architecture where you kind of feed it images of buildings and then you you generate like a weird image at the end and then you turn that into a height map and you like extrude the white parts of the image right. you, you hop inside and that's your house. Um, but another example was um, there was a furniture designer who was uh, feeding a bunch of different chairs into the system and had the AI kind of generate images of fictional chairs that were like cross pollinated between chairs that shouldn't be cross pollinated. And he just looked at those images and he tried to build and design what he saw in the images. So he was really using the AI process, the absurdity that comes out of it, as a, a point of inspiration for him that he rationalized afterwards. Well, do, why, why would you even bother rationalizing it? Well, I think that that's, I mean, like, what is inspiration? You're, you're looking outside of yourself to things that you didn't make or can't conceive of yet. And right. at, at one point, you get to know that inspiration as you're using it, and it's no longer inspired. Or it was inspired, but it's no longer what is inspirational. Mm-hmm. Um, and that actually takes me to this uh, thing I did for the site plan of this uh, Chinese market hall where I, I fed in, I was not even using a real AI, I was using uh, this process in Photoshop to uh, take in a site map and fill in the missing parts of the site map with just parts of the image. And then that new image that the process produced could be rationalized. I could read it as if it was a real site plan and begin to work that into the design. So I was doing a little bit like what that uh, that chair artist was doing. Right. Except I didn't do that because I, I rationalized too hard and I turned down the, the heat <laughs> on my own creative process. Huh. Uh, there was something in there. There's there's a couple notes that I've I've taken. Um, and, and you brought up the you brought up the absurd I mean, you kind of brought up the idea of the temperature and I think one of the things that you pulled up 
uh, right before we started recording was these uh, the textual things or the headlines and something that you had shared with me was this image um, Gan breeder probably. Gan, yeah Gan breeder right. is, is what it was and I was playing around with that and it doesn't have enough things that I can put into it yet which is a little sad maybe I can train certain maybe I can build an image you can, set you can definitely download again and, and train it yourself oh, okay yeah. but um, one thing I, I was wondering if we could kind of dig into uh, this website that you just pulled up a second ago oh I'm gonna take could, Chris's head and move it down to the you're, yeah. you're, you're going into the tray Chris bye oh, okay see ya. <laughs> if you could see our podcast that'd be funny yeah um, there's a website I was showing uh, Christian uh, called aiweirdness.com um, and it's a blog of someone who works closely with neural networks um, and they're trying to produce new kinds of art um, or just kind of comedic uh, artifacts by feeding um, kind of pre-existing content like recipes news headlines or bits of fiction and, and fusing these pieces together to create new kinds of content um, and so the blog is a series of, of AIs acting weird, inventing cookie recipes. And apparently if you do this for long enough, you begin to pick up on patterns in how humans construct things like text mm -hmm. that you wouldn't be able to see without this bad, a, a bad or dumb AI kind of fumbling through it and trying to mimic it. Do you have any good examples of that? Yeah. Um, it was sort of like, uh, in what I heard from it, it was... Um, in recipes, it was like the prevalence of chocolate or nice. ways of describing what you're like the verbs that you're applying to the food substances. Like the AI could was just applying these verbs to food, like fold the whipped cream or like, <laughs> fold the meat steak into this way. Just like I don't know. Um, That's really good. I'm trying to just remember what they were saying, but there's there's an idea that like you're kind of confronting the text in a new way. You know, you had the structuralists and the post-structuralists, and with AI, you're you're very, very post-structuralist. You know, you're looking at patterns in text instead of the text itself. Right. So one of the things I've been really fascinated by recently, for some reason, is is little text bits, um, and and what you can kind of do with that. And so the one that I found the most funny, but that I don't think anyone else has, was was just moving the S in casual. Right, into causal. Yeah, so instead of casual Friday, you now have causal Friday. Right. And whatever that might mean, I don't know, but I think... Well, I that's think what it's, you're doing, like, with the chair. You are you have this, like, moment of mutation that can turn into something new. Right, right. And it's 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 so minor in, in terms of the text object itself. Um, and in and, and terms of... And, and for the AI here, the text objects don't necessarily hold the same weight, cultural weight, that they that they would and oh this is a comment that I have and that's uh, I'll I'll jump in here and and that's where I think it's it's bad to call it artificial intelligence because you when you're making these little flips and mutations you're the one who's actually crunching disturbed intelligence like you're the one who has to read the meaning into it and turn it into meaning like it's just greebling and pushing out data basically it doesn't mean anything to the AI. And when you read it and you approach it as a text, you're the one who's inserting the meaning. And so right. you're the one who's intelligent. Right. And so one of the things related to this text stuff was I was watching a block of a movie earlier on the YouTubes. Nice. And um, the, what, the, what the movie was was Lucy. And I was like, I, I maybe saw this about five years ago when it came out. I definitely didn't see it at theaters. That's Which sure. one's Lucy? 
Um, it's the one with Scarlett Johansson unlocks like a hundred percent of her mind or whatever. She's smart. Oh, she, she tart. Yeah. Well, she tart. Um, <laughs> but so she unlocks like a hundred percent of her mind. Uh, and, and what I found was really kind of funny. was, um, I just, I, I was watching the end of this movie and just listening to the dialogue and how stupid it was. Mm-hmm. And it, I thought to myself, okay, if, if I'm approaching this movie, I haven't seen it in a long time, so obviously I don't remember any of the dialogue, and I'm just hearing really poorly written dialogue. And this was not written by a computer. This was written by a person, supposedly. Um, but it just sounded forced and terrible. But I'm approaching this, and I'm watching five minutes of the movie and not the whole thing. If I had If I had been watching the whole movie, similarly, I have a similar perspective when it comes to um, uh, CGI in movies. But if I had been watching the whole movie, would I have picked up on the egregiousness of that dialogue so right. much? And so then I thought about that in relation to uh, here in the text when we're talking about uh, basically the context. So the AI lacks the cultural context or significance that certain words might have. Um, and so then when you when you plug in all these words as categories by themselves without the context that might support them, then of course the AI is going to produce silly things because we ex- we're putting in silly words individually. Mm-hmm. Um, so even if you have have a recipe, fold doesn't isn't necessarily defined by a recipe. Right. Ever. It, it it just like it it's like it, it has none of the hidden connections. The, yeah, the AI yeah. understands fold in relationship to a food, well, not necessarily what that food might be in right. terms of a. As well, it's, um, it's capacity to be told. Especially with text. There are different forms of AI, but a lot of text prediction ones, like they only look at one word at a time. They have no idea of the larger picture. And so it's just looking at like, oh, what word can go after this one? Right. And like, oh, this line is long enough. Maybe there's a break line. And so it's the end of the, the line in the recipe. And so that's where like the heat will make it spit out a pre-existing recipe because it's the most probable thing. But then you're trying to make new things. But yeah, I mean... That's, that's where, like, maybe dumb AI only acts as an inspiration. But I also love that there's a kind of culture around laughing at the, a sort of comedy that AI can produce. So there's a group online called Botnik, um, B-O-T-N-I-K. Uh, and if you search them, they, they actually produce videos and stage performances that are built off of predictive text. Um, and so they'll do something like feed a text-based predictive engine with... Um, civil war like letters back to wives um but then the other half will be fed in like yelp review yelp reviews <laughs> of an amusement park and so that it'll it'll poop out letters that that kind of are sort of crazy and, and broken um but they'll get like a voice actor to read it off um and produce they'll actually make a note like a an artifact of that process um as well, they, um, it's not that they're just letting the AI run loose. They're using it almost like a Ouija board where they can visualize with a tool like the 27 next words um, that the AI will put in there. And so the AI will pick like one of the top four words, depending on the temperature, but they can actually shape it like an Ouija board and, and pull out jokes from that process. So they've embedded the AI into their kind of improv system. What did you just pull up here? Oh, so um, I was talking about humor, uh, and there's a meme online, and the meme goes that, here's an example, I forced a bot to watch over 1,000 hours of TED Talks and then asked it to write a TED Talk of its own. 
here's the first page. And so it's a variation on a meme. The idea is you're, you're creating a joke with this idea that an AI has pulled this out of the text and it's seeing it in a new way. Now, the conceit is that an AI does it, but actually it's typically a real comedy writer, but they're trying to write it as if an AI wrote it. So Christian, would you like to act out this um, TED script with me? Oh gosh, that, uh, that wait. Dumb AI Should I, I will, just read it? I will or? be the um, I'll be the narrator, or I'll be the set reader, and you be the TED talker. Oh, okay, all right. all right. All right. So TED talk, interior, place where you can talk. We see a TED talker on stage. They are visibly clothed. They are shooting words from their mouth at the crowd. My grandfather once told me a story, and yes, I paid him for being old. A screen shows a bar graph. The bars for grandfather and story are equal in height. The crowd nods their hands. <laughs> he told me there's just enough plastic in the ocean for someone to marry, but we're almost out of time. A screen shows a picture of a clock that is poor and has very little time. The crowd is angry. They require grass to live, and this is not a graph at all. I did not believe my grandfather until a mosquito made of math turned me into a secret sex church. A screen shows a line graph of all the TED Talker's secrets. There are six. The crowd likes the graph, since it is a graph, and they like graphs for reasons they have. <laughs> now, we all know exercise doesn't work in Detroit. A screen shows a video of Detroit trying to use a treadmill, but it does not work. This is a famous video. But what if I told you to look under your seats? The crowd tries to look under their seats, but they don't have any. They have been standing the whole time. Graphs don't sit, so they don't either. Exactly my point. We need an app that smokes cigarettes. That's Economics 101 and always will be. The plastic from the ocean breaks into the room. It wears a wedding dress, and nobody can blame it. The crowd waits to see if this will somehow turn into a graph. And that's the end of the, the little stage play. But I had more that I wanted to add about your flannel shirt and your knee pads. Uh-oh. This AI is ripping. It's, it's, <laughs> it's too hot. It's going to blow. Someone, someone on Twitter has made a very loving um, representation of one of the graphs in the story. It's, it's, um, <laughs> it's, it's two, two bar graphs. One is hot pink and it says grandfather. The other one says story. And it's sort of a, a cool green. And both axes on the graph say graph. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the bar graph values are, are the same basically. it's all graph everything is graph to me so I'm pretty sure that this was not written by an AI but it, it tries to it has a sort of irreverence it, it's it for some somehow the, the text is funnier with this idea that this sort of outside observer has made these connections and it's feeding them back to us it feels like it was actually taken from like four TED talks four TED talks instead of a thousand <laughs> it sounds more like four yeah. Like there's themes that are too strong. Yeah. This this person on Twitter's made quite a few of these. And well, yeah, one of them is like an Olive Garden commercial. They did a Black Mirror episode. Ooh, Olive Garden sounds great. Do yeah. you want to do the Olive Garden commercial? All right. You guys talk about something. I need to find it. Okay. All right. So, Chris, um, hmm. I want to – maybe I should start the speculation part of the podcast. All right. Do it. Um, do you have anything that you want to add in the interim? before I get started. Not really. Not no. Really. Smart computers is not my area of expertise. <laughs> well, it's none of our areas of expertise, except maybe culture. I, I like, am fascinated by it, but I have not touched many actual AIs. So one thing that I wanted to bring up 
and maybe we can maybe we can riff on this for a little while before before we do a send off with a script of an Olive Garden commercial. Apparently, um, we'll, we'll we'll do another acted out script because I, I have a I have a feeling that this is going to be a hit on the podcast. Um, <laughs> there'll be little nuggets that are kind of hidden away. So the, one of the things I was thinking about. Yesterday, I think I texted you about this, or is the day before? I don't know. Um, was sort of how architecture seems to lack excitement and energy, and uh, there's there's certain like scenes in movies that I can recall, movies or TV or whatever it is, that seemed especially powerful. But when it comes to architecture, I don't I don't really have anything that ever felt that evocative. And so blah, 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 blah. That sort of led, led me down, down a path and um, thinking, thinking about how this might um, tie into dumb AI. Uh, so here we go. Uh, so, so the idea is, is that um, in the future, we're, we're, we're totally like we are in the future right now, but it's, we've been completely. Everything is Chrome. We've been completely taken and streamlined. Um, we've been completely taken over by the modernist idea of like stripping ornamentation and material is material and that is it. Um, okay. And so, you know, maybe if that's where we're at and it's kind of dull and boring and not exciting, then maybe we're so broken as people that we can't actually design ornamentation anymore. I feel Probably. like, I mean, if you asked me to, to like do bow art or like Louis Sullivan type stuff, like, I could not. I can't even draw a column. So I mean, right. like we already live in that reality. Yeah, we don't need Chrome for this reality. Right, right, right. So, right. Right. so that's thing. so that's the basic premise. Right? Okay. Is that is that we live in this reality right now? And then if if you started to train a dumb AI to produce ornamentation, uh, and and sort of specific, it could be specific to building, I think. Um, and 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 so I I started thinking about this more and more, and and my thought was. Is, is is there a way because like we have this idea of what ornamentation can be um, and I, I, I wanted to start thinking about it as a growth uh, something that uh, was was representative of the people or the functions inside the building uh, but sort of found its way around the outside and had the ability to grow and, and mutate um, but was defined by a dumb AI, so it, it would it could always be this this approachable thing. Um, okay, are you talking about like you're not using AI to design the ornament? The ornament is like a creature that lives on the building, like a gargoyle in it. Both it shifts. Both. It, 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 I think gargoyle is probably like the closest approximation. You just remove the vowels, and that's your new company. Gurgle. Isn't that how it works? It's new, yeah, it's your new startup. gargoyle. Well, I mean, okay, so that's I mean that's that's kind of the idea. Um, and then I, I, I dig into this a lot and I started thinking about there's this cypher video which we which we watched yesterday that I had seen a while back which is this weird VR headset thing and this I'll call it a growth that that sort of moves and breathes and things and then and then there's this ending scene in Lucy that I was watching in which all this um, I'll call it ectoplasm sort of comes out of her fingers and her body and she she takes over all these mechanical instruments within the space and then builds the new computer. Wow, spoiler alert. Smart that's, computers. So that's, that's the smart computer. That's, that's the smart computers. Okay. Yeah. And so it, it, what, what I found really fascinating is that they're very, very similar formally in, 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 in the representation. And how I, mean, I think that dumb AI would 
and similar to this GAN breeder thing that you were showing, it start to pro I, I wonder how it might start to produce things that are evocative and things that we don't necessarily aren't ready for um, that will actually impress you in a space. Um, and so I, I kind of went further with this, where if if the growth, it sort of becomes this this really smart representation of like a building's economic status or profitability uh, based on the people that are in there or whatever they're doing in production. And but at the same time, perhaps produces a really infantile or kind of stupid form. And so how all this sort of plays out and the reason that I think AI is important in this is for us just to put something on the side of a building and call it ornamentation. In, in today's world, that's almost alien. Mm. Um, and for us to try to do that, I think it would it would just kind of be a mimicry. So to reproduce ornamentation, I wonder if we use an AI to to kind of build ornamentation onto the side of a building and embed these deep sort of weird meanings into, into it with like regards to the building's capitalistic abilities. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just want to like, this seems almost as if it's the most reasonable speculation that you've proposed so far. You need to make, you need to sell me on the unreasonableness. I want like little cherubs to shoot out of the corners. Well, I mean, that's no, in terms of like the actual form and, and how it looked like, I think that's kind of what it starts becoming. It's, it, like you use an artificial intelligence to understand what ornamentation was before and understand like what gets people going. I, you know, I feel like it, they're not smart yet. No, so but, that, no but that's the what thing. You do it's is, not, it's not, it's I like, feel like what, what you do, do like is, on Instagram, you, right? you, no, exactly that. You, you basically, you, you, sh you take all of Instagram, you just download it, Instagram.zip. <laughs> Got a few gigabytes on that one. Or Pinterest. Um, and then you filter uh, all those images to like classical architecture right. somehow. So you have an AI that does the sorting for you. And then you feed a neural network on those images and maybe you're pulling out features from those images. So you have high frequency features that would be like the pure ornament stuff. And then like low frequency features would be things like windows and doors and the overall shape. And so you might create a system where you can feed in like a warehouse or an unadorned facade where you have the windows and the doors placed and it can dream up the ornament at the higher frequencies. Right. And it can replicate the replicate an idea of kind of populist. Right, right, right. Um, so the, the thing with the ornament, though, is like, I, I mean, it, this is just, a, I mean, this is just a wacky idea, but it was sort of all rooted, always rooted in this idea of a, not necessarily homogenous, but a, a singular thing that has kind of found its way on, onto the side of a building or whatever. It has some sort of representation. I, so, I feel like you should pitch it as a sort of infection. Right. Yeah, no, no. You have so, a modernist so, building, and it's it's found its way onto your building. It's attached like yeah, a yeah, slug. Yeah. And so it's it's called the growth, okay, and good. it's a it's a beautiful capitalistic representation. But you don't know that because it's just ornamentation. It's like a fan. It's and a the, fan of your corporation. And my favorite part is the slogan. So it's see the growth, feed the growth, be the growth. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. So. Um, and, and of course, have watched this. Sorry to bother you recently. So there might be some influence infection happening there. There was um, there was a film that actually reminds me of this. It was a film called Branded. Uh, I think in the mid 2010s. That was your brain clicking into action, right? That wasn't your phone. Uh, hopefully that didn't show up. But yeah, that was my brain. Uh, it was from 2012. And um, in it, this guy sort of has a they live moment where suddenly he can see the kind of intangible, like corporations and mind spaces are, are 
physically existing in the space. So I'm showing Christian a poster here. Can you describe what you're seeing? So, wow, this is what I'm thinking. That's so yeah, weird. Yeah, so there's, there's like an evil clown that has like, it's like a balloon that's like sort of an evil clown. It's growing off of a building. And it's like a <laughs> Ronald McDonald. There's like a weird snaky thing. Jeez. Oh, um, that sounds terrifying. Yeah, it so he's, it's a very trippy film. I'm going to try and get a video going, and I, I want to do a real-time reaction, even though you, you, none of our audience can see it. Actually, no, right, Christian so and I can trailer. hear it. Christian can oh, hear it's, it. Oh, it's rated R. All right, and I'm going to make it play back faster because... Oh, we're on oh, two times speed. I've never... Okay, now I have to lower the volume. Oh, this is definitely a commercial. Oh, maybe it's not. The Burger. So it's like a, a, a parody of a McDonald's commercial. It looks like one of those fake meat burgers that they always talk about. Right, and there's glitchiness because this is a dystopian film and the, the film's trying to clue you in on that. See, I don't think the growth has to be dystopian. I think the dystopian aspect of it is is insidious. It's it's all about the capitalistic representation. Hmm. Right? I do like the idea that it's sort of an autonomous creature that haunts your place of work and it's making judgments about where it wants to go and how it wants to ornament. Well, this is exactly what I was thinking. So we should we should have a movie night with Branded from 2012. Yeah, that sounds like a good oh, idea. Oh, but also the growths are growing on people, so like they end up feeding the brands oh, that's not by okay. consuming. Um, <laughs> yeah, so they have these like invisible growths, these creatures that like live on their backs it that seems, make them want to like engage with the companies. It seems like it's hit this point where everything just got out of control really fast. Jump cuts are crazy at two times speed, by the way. Yeah, I only watch things at 2x speed. <laughs> when is this from? 2012. 2012. Look up Branded. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, I mean, I watched it. It's not the best movie, but like in terms of what it's invented visually is worth it. It's like engaging. Sharknado for, I don't know. Sharknado for what? People. For what? Disillusioned Disillusioned people. people. Yeah. I think I saw the first one. But I mean, you have Branded, which I think is maybe a, a 21st century reinvention of They Live. Um, have you heard of that film? I think no. it's from the 80s. Um, but it's got a really cool scene or a visual concept where these people take these sunglasses, these special sunglasses that remove ideology. Oh, and so um, they're able to see the subliminal messages that exist within all media. So like they're just everything becomes black and white. The people who are in charge become aliens and um, they're like these weird skeleton people. And then, like, all the advertisements just say, like, obey, consume, sleep, work. <laughs> and there's just, like, big black impact font on a white box. And so this movie is maybe a, you know, 21st century reinvention of this idea that you're kind of visualizing the way that media and, and capitalist whatever entities are, are trying to control your behavior. But this doesn't have much to do with AI. But I think that this, this speculation perhaps is is rooted in a history of criticism about media. I feel like it has looked quite a, to me, like when you were talking about how all the, how there are growths on people and on buildings, it's just like, to me, that's all this data stuff following you around. So I feel like it's oh, kind of, yeah. it's like prescient of today's AI where it's like embedding cookies in you. And then the AI is constantly learning about you and pushing you to do things. That's a really good perspective. So that's why I asked what it was from. Cause I was like, Holy shit. Like, oops. There's an excellent detective. That's like a 2017, 20, or 2018, 2019 film right there. Yeah, I had this idea. So basically over last weekend, I decided that um, I was thinking about online communities and how it's hard to find a group of people that I want to hang out with online. Um, or in person. Or, <laughs> or I, I don't know. <laughs> so there was like this whole conceit. 
I would say in the like mid 2000s about like dating profiles and how like you would fill out a questionnaire and it would match you based on compatibility with this profile. And, and I don't really think that took off. Like, I don't think that model was as successful as they hoped it would be, where they're using like data driven analysis to, to match people or find compatibility with right, people. Right, right. It's just because everyone wants to swipe. But the idea was basically what would happen if like YouTube, which has tons and tons of data on you, not just on what you choose to watch, but how you watch it, right? What you search. Like if you were to feed that kind of data and then like basically train a neural network on it and try to figure out compatibilities based on use of, of technology, could you actually make a machine that, that builds communities of people that are compatible, not just like-minded, but compatible? Would you even want that? I don't know. Is that a good thing? But the notion is that the AI doesn't actually understand people. It just understands patterns of behavior. It doesn't know what it means for humans to be compatible, but it basically you're, you're giving it tons of data and you're letting it learn from mistakes. And it's just given the power to kind of corral people and, and but how build would communities. But how would it test compatibility? Would you just say that everyone that's the same is compatible? Or would you actually like, to me, to the training, the training's <laughs> always the answer. I mean, obviously um, you have like self-reporting. You can measure yeah, Self-reporting is very... And then you can, you can actually measure, the, like you can do data, uh, you can scrape the data from like how these people are interacting online as a right, measurement that's of true. compatibility yeah, yeah, yeah. too. Because okay. it's an so online you, interaction. Yeah. So you'd have to, you'd have to actually do a post, I don't know. It's not post-occupancy. What's the non-architecture word? For it's a evaluative study. Right. It, it yeah, can also just go. be, it can also be a continuous thing. Like maybe it's yeah. not dumping you in a permanent community, but it's always sort of introducing things that could be interesting for your online. I mean, I think, life. I think the best way of going about it is not, I don't know if you necessarily have to call it a community as, as much as it's just, it's an amorphous blob right. of, of people that move in and out like, like protons, the protons. So you're already coming up with branding, but I want to go to <laughs> the reason why this idea emerged in my head. Like why I was upset about online communities is I have these discussions with my uh, friends abroad who are studying uh, semiotics about how fandoms, communities, and scenes are like, they're the new ways that people organize, not just right. online, but in real life. And you have kind of big media empires like Marvel that are, are, or Game of Thrones, which is more relevant, that kind of build these. That final season sucked so much. But these <laughs> communities are just based on consumption. Like consumption is what is supposed to unite people and build compatibility. Now, what if you had an AI that, I mean, obviously you're going to watch media, but you're not focusing on the media. The media is not what's creating the community. It's, it's something else completely. Like, could we move past this idea of prestige television or sports or other forms of media being the means through which people find other kindred spirits, I guess. I don't know. That's, that's what's upsetting me in the moment is like, I feel like you just have to align to something arbitrary that that humans have invented like an ideology or a piece of media or 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 an identity and then that's what that's what makes you compatible or like or a place when that i i guess for me maybe that problem starts coming in when when that thing ends and you see all the posts is like oh game of thrones is over now what do i have i have nothing right or or end game or better or breaking bad or, or whatever anything that uh, builds these allegiances and rightfully so it's not like it's bad content I mean maybe I, I mean it's not that good and I think that the value is actually in building the community right in building the discussion building the hype you know you have like 
advertising campaigns that actually try to stoke controversy because they know people want to argue and they want to engage positive and, and negatively around content so that they feel like, you know, they belong to something. And so, so what is your argument here? Oh, yeah, I guess I'm um, not quite is understanding. That human, like humans have designed a system where our kind of online communities and relationships are built on this very like cynical kind of like you're going to be instrumentalized and you're going to consume and you're going to buy, you know, and that's why social media exists. And that's why, so, I mean, it's popular today. So what if you turn that concept on its head and you said, what if you had an AI that basically it, it's dumb and it's not trying to get you to consume things. It's just trying to like put you in rooms and make things happen between people. I don't, right. But where do the, where's this content creation? Like when you were talking about Game of Thrones or sports, I don't, where, isn't that what you're arguing for? I'm, I'm confused on where all that. Uh, fits how do you, how do you, how do you group the people together if it's okay? So, so what you're describing is what something that people like and consume, um, but the AI is grouping them together based on what? Oh, so you, we need a system where okay, so the me- media is the dominant way that people are kind of being goaded into engaging with the digital system, right? Like that's you're updating your Instagram feeds or you're looking for new videos on YouTube or you're loading the HBO app or, or, or all these things. So media is the, it's like the honey that is getting you into the pot of engagement. And as long as you're on the device and you're operating it, you're like moving through menus, you're inputting text, you're just using it. They're collecting data about that. You know, mm-hmm. they know how fast you watched the video. If you skipped any parts, they, 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 they atomize they can they put metrics on every piece of engagement. So my concept is you don't need the media. You just need the engagement. So let's say you're using an Excel sheet. Now, this is really dumb, but I love it. But like, let's say like you have to use an Excel sheet for work. We're, we're mining your how you use the Excel sheet and what you're putting into it. And we're using that to drive compatibility estimates for other people. So just it's, you it's not based on your consumption, but rather your production. Or just what engagement, consumption. Yeah, it could be productive or it could be consumptive. But right now it's all based on consumption. And, and sites like YouTube or HBO, like they're trying to use social media as a way for people to be like, okay, what was this episode about and what can we talk about, right? So it's kind of creating these moments in time where these communities can emerge and talk about things. But this would be more like, no, when you go online, you can only interact with like 80 people at a time. And like these 80 people have been... Wait, so you're proposing that you have a limited group of interaction? Yeah, so yeah I'm I mean, still like, not getting this. You're, you're, like when you play a video game like Halo, right, you're, you have a party. And that party can be, it's like the people that are in the match. Yeah. Right. You know? And so the game, like there are MMOs, right? And, and even MMOs like World of Warcraft, they can have, you know, hundreds of thousands of people playing maybe at one time, but they're not all interacting with each other in the same space at the same time. And that's right. a dream of the, the, the MMO, whatever. But what happens is you get these, um, what, what do you call them? Shards, shards of online communities. Um, and right now the shards are built around like maybe celebrities or like people on Twitter that you follow and like people kind of fall in line um, around those things and the content that those people push. Like it's about content per content flowing into the system become the shards. They become the nodes that people organize around. Okay. But if we recognize that you're always going to be inside of a shard or inside of a bubble, what if we were to just create like bubbles? So like you go in and you get 80 people and like you see how it goes, you introduce yourselves or I don't know, 
something so, happens. But isn't it like you're rallying, like going back to that identity thing from last time? Or isn't it always like you're rallying around some sort of shared experience? It's not like, oh, I'm just going to stick people so, here. And so like, I think they're going to interact. It's like, oh, I'm going to like, we have the new, uh, this new area around the new Buck Stadium where like a couple thousand people go to the games and just like literally show up and watch the games together. And it's like, you're kind of rallying around some shared experience, which like, if you're just putting people together in like an 80 person chat room, you're just kind of putting people together. Virtual virtual pig pen. That's right. what we put you inside. So I, I guess for me... I, mean, I guess I just don't get it. It might be interesting to have um, a, it, at least challenge your, your typical methods of, of engaging with, with other people. Um, if, if you're not necessarily... Or, or even if you're told, like, you, it sort of understands you based on any number of factors, right? And right now you choose the groups that you engage with, more or less. But if those groups are more ambiguous and the factors by which you're organized are maybe more ambiguous, um, it, might be, it might be kind of a fun way of, quote-unquote, forcing interactions where they normally wouldn't happen. Right. You need, this, this system of organizing people would require a completely new model for how media happens. And I think the system would be engineered so that it pulls information out of people. So, like, you're, you're, you're not just a passive consumer that liked or didn't like the episode, you have to put something into the system. Like you have to be creative yourself. Right. So, I mean, for me, I wonder if it's like the the best way to sort of describe this is if you're on a project and it's a partner project and you didn't get to choose your partner. Right. And and you you have to negotiate between people and and develop mature communication and and how and how you make that negotiation and and where there might be comparability between you, uh, between the two of you or how many ever. Um, and, and maybe something valuable can come out of that. I don't know, but I could, I could see that being valuable, I guess. Yeah. You know, Airbnb sells experiences now. So like people I think are hungering for new ways to engage with places beyond just walking around sightseeing or, or consuming. So maybe this is a system that you know, maybe you want to learn how to make pottery or weave a basket or learn how to cook. And it's populating classes of people that can learn and engage with each other gotcha. together. So when was a Christian who said it's like shifting from a consumption model to a production model that was fairly accurate to what you're trying to propose? Right. Okay. I, I understand that now. And also, like, I feel like I've read before that there's an upper bound on how many people in your life you can have meaningful connections with. Yeah, it's like 150 or something. There's yeah. a number. And then when you're on the internet, you just have these, like, little gnat-sized, like, ideas of what people are like. If they're, like, posting on Twitter or uploading a video essay or, or all these things. Or it feels like a weird a state of being where you have these people that you know in your life, but then, like, you have this, like, shared experience of this, like, media universe online that like with real people you can discuss things that are happening there or like this kind of non-existent space. It feels like there's like a weird division between kind of lived experience outside of online and things that are happening online. And then like you kind of flip between these two states. I want there to be more kind of a circular and like nonlinear relationships between the two. But anyway, the, the reason why I think AI could be best suited for human compatibility is simply because the AI kind of takes the form of whatever data 
that is being fed into it and it doesn't try to make sense of it in a way. It, it, it's allowed to be as complex, nonlinear, and arbitrary as the data that goes in. So like when humans are trying to figure out compatibility, they say, all right, we're going to have 16 personality types and everyone gets slotted into one of 16. And like, that's a really dumb way to figure out compatibility. But that's, that's all humans have because we're trying to create a scheme or a system, like a linear system that can organize people. Right. But then how would you, I think you run into a similar problem of like, how do you define success? If you're going to train an AI to do this, you're going to train it on some sort of training set at this point, right? Where it's like, oh, this works and this doesn't work. So you have to have some metric for which success is a thing, at least initially. I think, yeah, I, I think there's definitely, like you definitely reward it based on if, if people are happy or if things are happening. But I think there's also like, maybe it's looking for interesting things to happen. Like as long as people are safe, I don't think it's about making people happy. It's about like, like limiting like human communities to like manageable sizes because I, I think like it's it's not that like the computer introduces you to your soulmate like i don't think that's how this like in my mind that's not how this works it's yeah, not sure. introducing you to your best friends it's introducing people who you can like grow with like people who, who are compatibility is like a very complex idea right and that's where it's like what is because you say like interest where something interesting happens but like what is interesting especially like I could come up with any sort of number of things that's interesting, but I have like context to my life where I'm like, okay, I understand this is interesting as in it's different from the norm or slightly odd. So it piques my interest, but like, what is that to a computer that doesn't understand context? If you're willing to give me some money, like I'm looking for money for my first round of funding, but um, I don't think you've used enough buzzwords for that. <laughs> I, if you give me some money, I would love to explore ways of quantifying what is interesting. <laughs> um, in terms of communities and, and what what produces better meaningful relationships, well, not, not good relationships, but meaningful ones. It's how much merchandise that they buy. How right. big their brains are, how, how heavy nice. their brains are. No, no, how much yes. merchandise they buy. So like they go to Asin and they buy a bunch of stuff, you know. Yeah, mm -hmm. I don't know. I, when I when I hear like computers trying to like link people or try and like bring people together, I feel like I'm so jaded at this point by like Palantir and and people like that who. Who try and make assumptions about people and it's like so based on like the structural assumptions of the past and then all the baggage that comes with it and it's like I, right i, I agree I'm, I'm like super jaded by that i want the ai to be dumb in a good way like right. in my mind the ai doesn't have to be perfect but it's important because it's almost it almost takes a sort of place of god where like this there's a divine and incomprehensible way in which your life is being shaped by this thing and it doesn't mean that everything's going to go great. Everything's going to be a success and you're going to be happy all the time. But like that kind of overwhelming sense of managing complexity or trying to be a good agent in an incomprehensible world, like the, the kind of weight of that can be alleviated a bit in your everyday life. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I'm creating a dystopian society where computers run everything and no one knows how things <laughs> are happening, but I'm kind of fascinated by that idea. And is there something between what we have now and that where we can be happy? Right. Well, I mean, it certainly seems like a better model than Facebook. I'll give you that. Mm -hmm. Facebook's not useful, or at least in my opinion. Right. I use it to chat. Yeah, chat's good. It's got local news now. That's, That's kind of cool. They're, they're solving the problems, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, we talked about uh, engagement in a previous episode, how it, you can think of these social media platforms as AIs. They're not 
autonomous. They're run by humans, but they're constantly taking feedback and experimenting with ways. And success for them means you're spending more time on the platform. Right. right? And it has no, like it's worse than having no concept of what human compatibility is or human connections are. It's, it actually has a very cynical idea of what it means to be a human. And that comes from the humans who build it. More, more, more. Where's this Olive Garden at? All right, so are we going to close out on this? Yeah. All right, so yeah, do it. here's another one of these delightful AI things. I don't know how we want to read this out because there are like four characters in this. I think you'll just have to use different voices. Christian has like 50 on. How about, how about this? I will read all the things that are not dialogue. I'll even read the identity of the person who's talking. And then Christian will create voices for these different people. Oh, Lord. All right. So this is Olive Garden commercial. Interior Olive Garden restaurant. Group of friends laugh at a dinner table. A waitress comes to deliver what could be considered food. Waitress. Pasta nachos for you. We see the pasta nachos. They're warm and defeated. Friend one. The menu is here. Waitress. Lasagna wings with extra Italy. We see the lasagna wings. There's more Italy than necessary. Friend two. I shall eat Italian citizens. Waitress. Unlimited stick. We see the unlimited stick. It is infinite. It is all. Friend three. Leave without me. I'm home. Waitress. Gluten Classico from the kitchen. We the Gluten Classico. We believe the waitress that it is from the kitchen. We have no reason not to believe. Friend four says nothing. Friend one. What is wrong, friend four? Friend four says nothing. Friend four. What is wrong, friend four? Friend four smiles wide. Her mouth is full of secret soup. Announces <laughs> wet voice. Olive Garden, when you're here, you're here. Uh, that was by... Oh, Keaton Patty on Keaton Patty on Twitter. That was name. the same person who wrote the first one. Yeah, apparently there's over a thousand hours of Olive Garden commercials, so I don't believe this. No, but like I said, it's a meme format. Like this person's yeah. a writer, and and they're making jokes about like unlimited breadsticks. Like there's like there's definitely an intention here, but it's written in a way such that it seems totally yeah. unintentional. I Italian citizens. I do love my favorite <laughs> moment is definitely friend four smiling wide with a mouthful of soup. <laughs> Like that one is just visceral. <laughs> mouth is full of secret yeah, soup. That was yeah, pretty yeah. great. Um, yeah, so there was this video which was, or GIF, GIF, Glyph. GIF? Glyph. They should call them Glyphs. I don't know Glyphs. why they do that. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was, uh, I have the, uh, the article pulled up on my computer at home, but it was the one where it's the morphing uh, floor plans. Right, I always thought those right. were kind of fun, and that's that's oh, where yeah. I see it most reasonably is like shit out stupid. Oh, I shouldn't say shit, should I? No, I've already said it. This podcast, we're good. All right, so um, <laughs> you shit out shitty four planes of shit. You interpret them and you turn it into good shit. That's how it happens. So smart computers, smart computers. I was playing uh, Rummy a few nights ago. We created a new word called connect, which is like when you see something meaningful, but you don't want to articulate what it is. So like you, you see a pattern in the cards, you see the connect. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. You and I connect Christian. Okay. <laughs> so is there anything else to add to Dumbass. smart computer? Oh no, it's the Pokemon. 
Oh yeah, so maybe oh, we can close gosh. out by um, I saw the Pokemon movie recently, but they didn't Watch. have they didn't have any of my favorite Pokemon. They didn't have Quinciliax, they didn't have Tortable or Strangly or Star Troffer or Stangood or Tyrakanine. Are or you making Minima up words or are these or, Pokemon? Actually my favorite is Ranch. They didn't Ranch. have Ranch in it. <laughs> are these fake words? Fake Pokemon. <laughs> So there, there was an app that you could just type in, just take two different Pokemon a couple months ago, and it would spit out a new Pokemon for you. And it was a bit of a wreck. That was pretty good. Were those fake or are those real? No, those those were. These are all fake Pokemon. Oh, see, I can't even tell. That was pretty good. They there's even, there's they even one have, Digimon at the end. They have these delightful the illustrations. Gun. One of them is called um, Tyrannin, Tyrannin or something. Ty, Tyrannin. Tur. Ternacking. But my favorite Ternacking. is, so it doesn't just come up with the names, it comes up with like the details about it. And so the only detail about this one is it has a beak eye. And so it has a, so the image is of a kind of flying cow with like maybe wires coming out of it and, and horns. And it's got a beak wide open screeching, but there's just an eye in it. And that's, that's pretty metal. I like that. That's pretty metal. <laughs> fish playing that's, that's what you want in your Pokemon. Also, Ranch is just a bottle of Ranch dressing. <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds like that's Gen 8 or something. Oh, man. Yeah, it's that's definitely great. the evolved form. So that was um, AIWeirdness.com. You should go check that yeah, one out. Yeah, we should put that. We should put all the links in the link location which will be throughout the podcast. So the links will not actually be uh, physical links that you get to click on. They'll just be us saying the letters of the link. You just got to find me and click on me uh, <laughs> as you're listening to the podcast. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm hiding in the podcast, guys. <laughs> All right. Well, we will be back assaulting your ears. In, at some point. Yeah, at some point. You know, kind of float around. What is our next topic? What's our next home? Plate? Oh, do we want to? Do we want to spoil our next plate? I, don't know. I think we have I a like few options. Future money topic. That's, oh, future yeah, money. That seems future money. Interesting. That's what I thought we were doing today. I mean, oh. yeah. up until like a few days ago. All right. I thought that'd be pretty good. We could also do, do business causal. No. I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's business casual, just spelled wrong. Oh, <laughs> nice. We'll call we'll call future money, future money colon business causal. Right. Um, so we could we could give it that title. So that'll be the next podcast. Chris, are you going to lead that home plate? The future uh, of money, I suppose. I feel I like if if we lost do the future... a good deal of money on future money, so Bitcoin. <laughs> we could do a blockchain. Uh, I feel like each of us should come up with a dumb future of money. All right. Sounds All right. good. We each come up with a speculation. I mean, right. I feel like we could just go on to some uh, cryptocurrency database and find some random name that no one knows about. I'm, like, I'm gonna, like Stellar Lumens is apparently a thing. Stellar Lumens. I'm going to Stellar Lumens. I'm going to train an AI to make a Bitcoin. Right, you could feed it all to the, the cryptocurrency names and have yeah. it poop out new ones. And if you just keep registering new coins, like you can just make infinite money. <laughs> I don't know if that's how that works, but all right. Blockchain baby. I suppose that's a wrap up. All right. All right. Goodbye, Good people. Stuff. Let's hope this actually recorded on the nice machine. Yep. Hopefully. Thanks for listening.